0: Hello, everyone. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is Ross Matthews. Okay, so I was a little nervous going into this. Uh, episode, conversation, what have you. It's my first time ever uh, interviewing a judge of Drag Race. Ah, how the times have turned and the tables... Anyway, um, so Ross and I have a lovely conversation about his long and storied career. We talk about what it means and the kind of pressures he faces being a drag race judge and being so openly queer on mainstream television. And we have a little moment just to pay homage to a shared icon Drew Barrymore. <laughs> All of that and much, much more today on Jinks So buckle up, hunker down, and sink your teeth into some brand new Hijinx.
1: M. Oh. M. Mom! Mom!
0: I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by TV personality, author, comedian, podcast host, and drag race judge. It's the hilarious Ross Matthews. Hi, Ross. Hi, Jinx. Okay, so this is the first time I've ever had a drag race judge on the podcast. You're the perfect first judge. Um, <laughs> Michelle won't answer the email. So no. <laughs> God, oh, oh,
1: my God. I didn't know that. I'm honored. Well, I have to tell you, if you don't mind me just hijacking very quickly. <laughs> you don't know this, I don't think. But I'm like a jinx super fan. I didn't get to, to judge your season. In fact, I didn't get to like, I met you, you know, but then I, I didn't get to like participate with you on the show yeah. until All Stars. And I had to like rein it in of what a jinx super fan I am. So, I mean, when I got the email, will you do this? Will you do Jinx? It was like as fast as my little fingers could type. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I I love you so much. And, um, you know, I just think the world of you.
0: Oh, well, thank you. The feeling is mutual um you've been around for forever I don't say that I say that to a lot of people and I'm never commenting on someone's age Uh I'm commenting on the fact that like celebrity, you know, like to be around for like 20 years, I realized in my adulthood how big a deal that is in our yeah. business, you know, it to is. like I mean, stay present. Yeah, it's
1: that longevity, you know, mm-hmm. um, that is the hardest thing. I mean, there's two hard things about show business. It's about getting that first break mm-hmm. and then what you do with it,
0: you know, <laughs>
1: yeah. right? Those are the two hard things.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I find myself, because, you know, I think a lot these days about celebrities, you know, like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, where their TV show was the biggest thing, or something was going on where, okay, Mark Hamill, like when Star Wars was happening. Thank you.
1: Okay, yes, Okay, yes. He,
0: he probably couldn't walk anywhere without, you know, like being accosted with Star Wars questions, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, But nowadays, I bet he could live a relatively normal life, but he's still a working actor. He still is constantly working, you know. mm -hmm. I just think about this kind of ebb and flow of where attention goes. And I think the people who kind of stay like right next to the center of attention Mm-hmm. stay around longer because the pressure of being the center of attention is a little damning, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that's very, very astute of you because you're <laughs> right. I think sometimes when people burn as bright as the sun, what happens is that sort of does fizzle out. You can't sustain. Those them.
0: who burn twice as bright burn half as long. <laughs> ding,
1: ding, ding. There you go. Bump, bumper sticker. I, But I... There is something to that, you know, and, and, you know, that's kind of been my career at Jinx, you know, yeah. I've been lucky enough to start on Leno way back in 2001 and then Chelsea Lately and then RuPaul's Drag Race and, and now the Drew Barrymore show. I've always sort of been right your, there. Your
0: gigs just keep getting progressively gayer, but you've always been this gay. <laughs> I, I think, yes, I. You know, I
1: never had to come out, Jinx, you know. <laughs> People Let say, me. "How did you how did you have the courage in the early days in like 2001 to be out on TV?" I'm like, "There was no in, honey. There was there was nothing."
0: It's it's very similar for me. I mean, I dated girls in middle school, but it was more of a social experiment than than anyone like actually thinking I was straight. My mom, my mom thought, "Oh, they must be straight because they're dating girls. But that was the last bastion. Let no, me No, I get you. it too. Because
1: I, I, I think you have to try things to know what you like. It's like you try yeah. mushrooms. That was sort of like when I went yeah. down on a girl in high school. It was like, well, I have to try it
0: before I, <laughs> you know, you always you try. You can't, it. you can't like, you know, yeah. You know what it is. What? <laughs> this reminds me of the first time I had a bisexual threesome. They were a married couple. And what you were saying, I just remember getting caught in a logic (laughs) like that, where basically a bisexual married couple wanted to have their first, like, the the husband wanted to have his first queer experience. And the wife was very supportive. And I had already, like, kind of made eyes with the husband. And I'm like, what am I doing here? But basically the wife gives me and the husband a little time alone together and we're kind of like making out and blah, blah, blah. blah. And then she comes back and just kind of wants to watch. And then um, eventually she gets involved and he says, well, Jinx, I'm having my first queer experience. What if you had your first heteronormative experience? And I was like, yeah, I can't fault you there. So this right? was in my 20s after being extremely queer for a long, long time. And I was like, you know what? I have never tried it. And I feel a little bit like a hypocrite right now. So I'm going oh. in. You went <laughs> in. You did it. You did it. I... I'm proud of you. Ross, when you were on Leno, were you ever asked to tone it down? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Um, well, in a way, um, listen, you have to remember, this was 2001 when I was starting Mm -hmm. on television. I I was still in college. People don't know how, uh, I feel like people of a certain age know the origin story of me on television, but I think a lot of sort of drag race viewers don't know. I
0: think I knew back to Chelsea Handler, and she probably erased any memories. I mean, I wasn't an avid Leno watcher um, in 2001. How... I, oh, I was, you, I won't bring it up, but anyway, yeah. so <laughs> I listen. wasn't watching, I watched the, um I, I would watch the, uh, uh the headlines, the headlines, on you Monday know, the, yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, so I was, you know, just an intern, and I love television, Jinx, I always wanted to be a talk show host, but there weren't people like, you know, like us on television, there they weren't, and so I got this, the internship there, and then I love TV. I have always loved, you know. So I wanted to know who, what was a writer, what was a producer, who was the person who pulled the cord that made the curtain open. I wanted to know everybody. So I just started talking to everybody, and then the comic dropped out of covering the Ocean's Eleven premiere. That's how long ago, okay? And they, the writer who I had talked to, said, "You know, you know who's funny. Everybody is that Ross in the hallway." And so <laughs> they sent me out, and I don't know that it was everybody's cup of tea, you know. In terms, uh-huh. of, I don't know, but I do know that it rated, you know. I uh, there, Jay always did the monologue and then bits, the second part of the show was bits like headlines or something. And and nothing really held the monologue after the monologue. Most people turned it off and went to bed. But for some reason, my stuff held the monologue. So I don't know that everybody was on board with me being mm-hmm. on the show, um, but the audience showed up. And that's really what saved me in those early days. And then I ended up doing that show for 14 years. Um, was I asked to tone it down? Um, not... Like implicitly, but there were definitely conversations. Like coded
0: um, language. <laughs>
1: yes. And then, you know, as I would go and try to pitch shows, I mean, this is early 2000s, mm-hmm. Jinx network executives who are still working today would tell me to my face like, oh, you know, I I mean, I think you're funny, but no, you're too gay for us. Too gay. This is too gay. Like, can you imagine?
0: Yeah. You know, there, I think there used to be, um, I can only like relate it to like, what I saw at my acting school, um, like when I went to acting school, the teachers were blunt and they told you that's part of the business. You have to deal with people, you have to be okay or like know how to handle directors being extremely blunt to you. And they would say like, you know, they would try to teach us the difference between like a critique or a note and someone just being abusive, of course. But our teachers were really, really blunt with us. And it was kind of like, um, it's since changed at that school, like policies have changed and teachers are much more gentle. But it was kind of like, um being in show business, it was like, oh, actually, in show business, you have to handle abuse in as a day-to-day. You know, well, it's...
1: <laughs> you know and you're, you're right. And, and, and abuse is, the, there, there's certainly a much clearer line between a, yes, abuse yes, and yes. being direct now. I will say, as a performer, though, I kind of thrive on the
0: direct... Oh, I do too, which is funny because I try to be such a positive, kind person, but I love being picked apart because that's when my biggest, like, achievements have normally come out of a vendetta against someone, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> totally. But I, and I think about that, like on the, for example, on me uh, on the judges panel, like mm-hmm. I sort of critique from a point of, of love, you know, and, and wanting you to, to build you up. But if I were standing on that stage, I, I would thrive on Michelle critiques with love as well. But she's much more direct. I yeah. would want to be critiqued like that,
0: yeah.
1: uh, like, like she is because I think I don't know, you do kind of get mad at that and you want to.
0: <laughs> you want to like, prove something.
1: Yes. Right? And, you,
0: and you and you want to be the person kindly smiling at the end, looking, you know, looking around at a room full of people who said no to you. And you're like, oh, hi, I'm just accepting my Golden Globe or my yeah, Emmy or whatever. Or, <laughs> you, know?
1: but you, I think you have that, too. I see you <laughs> as, you know, not, not only do you have the goods, Jinx, but I see you, you are very, very competitive with yourself. I see you, you know, lead with kindness in the world. But that doesn't mean that you aren't. highly competitive (laughs) within is that
0: true oh absolutely and with others I mean like I think you know I think I pick and choose which things are important to me and it's really it used to be I was competitive about everything I mean there's a (laughs) game there's a game that is forbidden uh, in my circle of friends who I went to college with. We're not allowed to play this game except for on my birthday or my friend Jesse's birthday because we get so competitive. We've never lost, but we're so disgusting about winning this game. Um, So the game has been banned in my circle of friends. So I used to be competitive about everything. Nowadays, maybe it's the meds or maybe it's just like, um, you know, feeling very content in life. I'm really only competitive about the things I care about. Like I can play video games with my friends and not like freak out that I lost Mario Kart. But there was a time, there was a time where I thought there was a conspiracy theory that they had like messed with my controller. So I couldn't. hilarious (laughs)
1: hilarious <laughs> that you're obsessed about mario kart well i think you like the more success you achieve the more uh boxes you check out the things that you want to accomplish mm-hmm. like then it just becomes about you know everybody winning and this yeah. seems so pollyanna but i mean you think about like it's so funny i i was just with heather mcdonald last night who's a, a comic who was on chelsea lately with me and we were talking about how supportive we all are. I mean, that Chelsea Lately crew, all those people on that round table have gone on to do such amazing things, and we've always been supportive. And I think on Drag Race, we're
0: all supportive of, of each other, yeah. too.
1: You know, even I, though we're all competitive, we want each other to win.
0: I definitely felt like that on All Stars. It definitely felt like um, we were very competitive. The competition was real. But there was a lot to celebrate in that room. And then I have found... Excuse me. I feel like lately um, with the legislation coming out against drag queens and trans people, I feel like lately um, the kind of dog eat dog mentality that exists within the drag world of like, who's going to get what gigs and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know lately it's been really mellow i just feel like everyone's just got each other's back right now in the in the drag race sisterhood we're all just kind of clapping for each other at least where i've been sitting i was just on tour with monet and trinity and you know i we would just sit and scroll and talk about how many cool things are happening for drag queens of course we'd read a couple of the all-stars eight looks, you know, we're still human, but, um, <laughs> but it was a really, it was a really nice time. And none of us felt, I mean, we felt nervous for the laws happening, but we didn't feel nervous for our careers or for our fan base, you know, like it's a very, it's funny. Cause like, the oppressive powers coming down on us is putting that much more emphasis on unity and community right now, especially it's Pride Month, targets, you know, flip flopping every which way. We got to take care of each other right now. <laughs>
1: I, I, honestly it's so true and this is not like a, a segue to a plug but you know
0: <laughs> no segue you're perfect <laughs> but but it's a
1: segue to my intention you know I, i'm on tour right now mm-hmm. and my, my stand-up tour is called i got you girl and the reason why i named it that is because after you know everything we've been through the past few years and everything that we're sort of facing politically now even though my show's not political um it's really about. I truly believe we have to have each other's back right now, more more than ever. I mean, we've faced adversity as a community uh, forever, yeah. you know. But like, I don't know. It feels this time. It feels like they are so petrified of the progress that we made that it it feels more. It feels um
0: personal, you know. Yeah, it it definitely feels. Personal, it feels like it's like such a grasp at like we've just got they're hitting so below the belt these days. It's like it's so targeted and so blatant that it just really feels like they they know the only people these days who are supporting them are the most fanatical. Yeah. And so they've they've dropped this guise of the Republicans are for everyone who just thinks conservatively in terms of like, you know, economics or whatever. And now it's like literally to be a Republican, you have to hate queers and you have to hate women. And and like their party has gone so far far extreme that the only people that like are supporting them are those extreme people so now they have nothing left to lose (laughs) you know they're just going for it it makes me think of that like quote about like an animal backed into a corner will fight harder or an animal like on its last breath will like fight even fiercer because it knows it's dying. you know. Yeah, I hope some, that's what it is.
1: There is a desperation in, in who's running and the positions they're taking, but I have to believe, and this is totally, I totally, 100% believe this, that like, it's not going to work. Like yeah. when, when people actually go into the ballot box, if they make us the issue, our community, the issue, it, like you can't put, this genie back in the bottle people know us now they see our stories they they really do and I think like they think it's going to work because it worked in you know 2004 when Bush ran for re-election you know but it's not gonna it's a different time so I think it's kind of okay you're trying it cute (laughs) <laughs> but I don't think it's going to work in the long haul. I, I, that's where I go when I'm scared that it's terrible. Uh, I was-
0: love that belief. And I like to have, I like to have like my optimistic outlook. You know, um, my most petulant in outlook is that we're on the way to some kind of revolution. But I don't know. Who knows what that'll look like.
1: If it all goes to shit, can I just say I'm so I that's why I love you, Jinx, is because even like when the world is falling apart and I watch you, there's just joy. I feel <laughs> such joy. And that's what I, I want to focus on, you know? Like,
0: oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny because I do have so much joy in my work and my work is so like about pointing all of these things out you know, and talking about all of these things in the most like and um, way. But that brings me a lot of joy. Like I like making people laugh and then knowing I made them laugh about something I care about and hopefully they're gonna go home and think about that more, you know? were on Chelsea Handler for many years um, and with your outlook being so positive and Chelsea's outlook being <laughs> like she hates everything what was that dynamic like working with her and um, is, is that her like on stage persona or is, is she really that kind of like grumpy all the time because I love it I'm addicted to it no. No. <laughs> Uh, I I just first want to say I love her and we're <laughs> great friends.
1: Um, every time she's in New York, we get together for a happy hour. Um, I met her on Leno and she was the complete opposite of me. And we like, I thought she was sort of so ridiculous in her, her grumpiness or whatever word you want to use. And she thought I was so like ridiculous as like a gay cartoon version <laughs> of me. <New laughs> and we just, we kind of were so polar opposites and we got a kick out of each other. And, I'll tell you a quick story. When she started Chelsea Lately, she said, please come on my show because we had done stand-up together. We had toured together. And she said, come on my show. And I was like, okay. And I went in and, you know, that was a show with a round table of the best comedians. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're aggressive types of people. And I'm from a small, I'm from Mount Vernon, Washington, about an hour north of where you are in Seattle. So we're polite. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I sat there waiting for my turn and I said like nothing on the show. And then she said, come back. And I, I still have the email. I wrote her, I don't think it's for me. And she said, you're funnier than you think. And I was like, okay. So I came back and then I got a joke in there, you know, Mm -hmm. and it worked. And I realized that I don't have to be as funny as these comedians. I just need to talk from my point of view because no one will have my point of view because it's unique to me. And she leaned into me when I got a laugh and she said, somebody's coming into his own. (laughs) And then she had me on every week. And when she, she started having me guest host when she was gone and she executive produced my own show on E, she became like a, a big sister, you know, she's tough. She's tough. Yeah. And she'll give it to you. Brutal. Well, I was growing my hair out once. And she said, you look ridiculous in the hallway <laughs> as she walked. <laughs> okay. You know, and, and I, but again, I, I think like we talked about, we thrive on that. I yeah, yeah, Give it to me hard. And, um, and that's why uh, we worked, you know, and, and, I did love being on that show with her because she would have one point of view and then I'd be at the end of the table being like, okay, but I kind of love Jessica Simpson,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I, Chelsea Handler was actually on um, a list of people I was considering for Snatch Game. Ooh, how would you do Chelsea? Uh, um, <laughs> there, there wasn't much to it, you know? It was just kind of me never moving you know how she kind of just, like, she gets into her position and she kind of, like, barely turns her head to the person? <laughs> so it's just kind of, like, me, like, going, uh, okay, no, um, no, I don't like that. You know, like, I, yeah. I never got that far into the the character because, yeah. no one know everyone everyone's like, it's just, I don't think you're going to, it was the same thing for Meryl Streep. It's like, I had too small of one joke. Yeah. and I was like can I stretch out this joke to carry like <laughs> a 20 okay. minute conversation I speak I speak <laughs>
1: for the the greater universe when I say you you chose correctly for snatch game
0: oh well I mean yeah I have no doubts in my mind i, I I'm not I, I used to like to go back and nitpick just everything these days I have a mantra that is like my mantra like overall. But it's we don't argue with a standing ovation, which is basically like um, if people are liking it, why are you going to be the one to tell them they're wrong? <laughs> yeah, that's <right.
1: laughs> that's, right. that's right. Can I ask you a question on that note? Yeah. How did you because I, I think, you know, your 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 Judy is one of the is probably the greatest of all time. And <laughs> you know, there have been some great ones, but that's okay. how did that feel like when you went home? that night and laid your head on the pillow? What did you feel? (laughs)
0: Well, it felt a lot like the first time where I just knew like, I mean, the very first time I went on Drag Race, it was all just to do Snatch Game. Like Snatch Game was the reason I fell in love with Drag Race. And I like, you know, um, someone who likes to plan like 12 steps ahead. 12 steps anyway (laughs) (laughs) there's something there anyway um so uh I was planning well ahead and I was like if I could just show off what I could do with like impersonations I know how I could parlay that into my next like local gig you know I was just thinking like I could come back to Seattle after doing drag race and do a whole like uh, little Edie series you know Yeah. so it was just kind of like I think for me there's no greater feeling than mission accomplished you know like I set a goal and when I meet the goal that's like that's my like euphoria as a Virgo is when I set a goal and I meet the goal and there were no big hiccups along the way or I handled the h- hiccups with um effortless grace you know <laughs> yeah So
1: could you, could you receive it that night when you went to bed? Like, could you say, oh my God, I did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was able to receive it. Um, You know, it always is kind of like what I get from the other girls is what matters the most. On season five, no one really cared about Little Edie. So I was like still kind of in the place of, was that the right choice? Um, But I knew I had done really well because I cracked Rue up. But um, with this one, the girls were really like... You did very, very well. The only the only person who said a little chaos comment was um, Evie saying, "Yeah, but do you think Jinx will win? Because they weren't as into Natasha." And Evie was really good at finding the one thing that's living at the back of your brain and saying it out loud. But Hilarious. that's just she's a chaos demon. You gotta you gotta love her for it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I do love her. Yeah. Um, so. When you first got asked um, to judge on RuPaul's Drag Race, I'm sh- I feel like it was an immediate yes. But were you nervous about being in the judging role? Did you have this like plan of how you were going to judge going in? Well, it's it's funny how it all
1: happened. You know, I just came as a guest judge. I think like season three or something, and then back and see whenever I don't remember. I came a second time as a guest judge, and then. They said, can you come back for a couple next season, you know? And I was like, yeah, great. It wasn't like there was a conversation about joining full time. <laughs> there was there wasn't. And there weren't like chemistry. I'd never really, I'd never been on with Carson. There wasn't like a chemistry test, you know? And I was doing my show, Hello Ross, at the time. So scheduling was hard and it really wasn't, this is so stupid, but until season seven was airing, and they put out like a press release that Carson and I joined. Full-time. I was like, oh, I'm like a full time. I like, really, <laughs> there wasn't, it was just sort of a scheduling thing. And so, but those are the best things, you know, yeah. when you kind of don't force it and it just kind of happens. But, and then to the question of how, how do I, how did I decide to approach it? Well, there's only one way to approach it. And I, I mean, who am I to judge <laughs> a, a drag race, a, a drag competition show? I don't do drag. Um, but I'll tell you what I do bring and I, it's, it's like, I feel there's like the super fan who won a golden ticket. I watch every <laughs> second of the show. I've been to, I mean, there must be some sort of Guinness record for the amount of hours spent at drag shows and drag brunches. I would be in the mix for that. I, I really sit there and I, and I, I, I try to judge from a point of view of like what I would you, would it wow me in the mm-hmm. club? Would, would everyone jump up? Would I want to follow you on Instagram? Would I buy your merch? <laughs> would I wait in line at DragCon? Would I, you know, yeah. and, and that's sort of what I can, and can bring. And, and I think that's kind of why it works. I mean, Michelle brings, she's just like got such cultural knowledge. Rue brings, you know, yeah. the Mount Rushmore of drug Carson has such a fashion POV. And I just am a super fan of what you all do.
0: It really, it really comes across that way. And I think the judges panel needs that, you know, because if you think about like, who drag is designed to excite, like, yeah, we need someone who's there speaking for the people of like, this is what we gag for, you know?
1: <laughs> totally, and like, I have no intention, no, in- I have no interest in criticizing any yes. of these the queens that are on the show, zero interest. Anything I ever say, and I hope it comes across like this, and I know there have been people in the past who didn't take it this way, But uh, so I just want to do a blanket statement. My only intention is to just, from a point of view of the fan sitting in the front row, to just nudge you to your greatest potential. I mean, you are the perfect example. I mean, actually, you sort of showed us how it was done. You didn't need any critique. But, <laughs> but I mean, there have been some, some times... You see it on our show, where yeah. people start one way and then they they just become under this pressure like they thrive and they yeah. they really truly reach their potential honestly it gives me chills now because it is so rewarding to see. and it's not because i gave a note it's because they can it's like holding a mirror up to them and they get better it's you know yeah. when you when you perform something in the mirror you look at your you realize when it clicks it
0: clicks is- you know like yeah. we have those moments of something just clicking in and it's when we understand it viscerally. You know, when it stops being something our brain is trying to piece together and starts being something that your body just knows what to do. You know, (laughs) like, um, I I gotta say, All Stars was a really incredible experience. And post All Stars has been really incredible. And I'm not just talking about like, um, the airtime or the opportunities that have come after all stars, but like, oh my God, I've been talking to the wrong end of the microphone. <laughs> but um, Story of our careers, right? <laughs> but uh, there's a, I just feel like all stars is really important for like getting that sense of self affirmed. Like when you go on one season, I mean, I had to wait a decade to go on All Stars. I don't know what it's like for the girls who kind of do the revolving door. But like going on and then going on 10 years later was kind of like, okay, now I've had 10 years in this business and now let me show you what I've learned within this, within the industry. You know, like before it's kind of like you're coming just as a you know, a drag artist from your town and all stars is when you're competing as like a name, you know, (laughs) and
1: it's it's like
0: metamorphosis period where you come, if if you're taking in all of the experiences, you come out as like a more fully realized you on the other end.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what I love about all stars is that it, it, People call it a glow up, but it's it's not about that. You know, of course, there's more money or they got their teeth done or, so, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. But it's really about what you learn by doing this for a bit. Yeah. You know, what What you know to be true, that you have you have learned that in crunch time when things have gone wrong and you've been on stage in front of 100 people that you you got yourself. You know, know exactly. how to exactly you know, right. And that kind of life experience or honing your skills or whatever it is. That's what people bring to all stars. And it's why mm-hmm. it's honestly my favorite to see because I already love you. I already know you. We already mm-hmm. to, to see how far you've come.
0: Yeah, and and you feel like you got a real pony in the race because maybe you've gone to see that girl live, and you're like, I not only know who she is on Drag Race, but I know who she is like as an artist. Yes, and that's then, so true, and it's different. And, and the stakes are higher when you feel like you know the person more, and and it, it you know it's harder to know the person. Um uh when they're on their first season. So All-Stars, yeah. All-stars for me, that's where the meat of drag race exists these days. But it's also it's allowing the new season, like the you know, the continuing seasons to kind of take on their own voice, you know? And maybe the newer seasons are about like, you know, the queens who are fresh to the scene and the all-star seasons are about like and now that they've been in the scene, watch what they've learned and how they've developed. It totally. sounds like I'm talking about like a cotillion and a bunch of like debutants. Come see how these ladies have developed over the summer. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious.
1: <laughs> but no, it's true. It's absolutely true. And I, and then both I love both because you're right, the the Regular Draggers there are so many storylines going, you know, mm-hmm. the fresh, fresh, fresh kids to some seasoned queens who are now getting this kind of platform. Yeah. To And then it, All Stars is a completely different beast. Um, yeah. But I love, they're such beautiful companion pieces.
0: They are. Ross, let's talk about the fact that you got married about a year ago. Um, I about remember. A year I-, ago. <laughs> I was. Uh, I-, I follow you on Instagram, so I saw all the pictures. I saw everything leading up to it. I yeah. saw every um, picture of your radiant, smiling face. So, how is married life treating you?
1: You know, it is. It is. It's so phenomenal. It's so unexpected what it feels like. Um, I didn't know what it was. You know, we didn't. I didn't grow up thinking I'd be married. You yeah. know, it wasn't. It wasn't a, a reality then. Um, there's what came with it was this this sense this freedom to fail in a weird way. You know, I always it was always just me. I always had to kind of really have my back and take care of people, and so I, I always felt this pressure. Like, well, if if I fail, then Everybody loses, you know? And what being with my husband and being married feels like now, and I didn't expect it is like I have this freedom to try anything because if I fail, he's got me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? And that has just sort of allowed me to just try anything. Like I like I watch you on, you know, just soaring on on Broadway. And I think like that's a perfect example of mm-hmm. like you know, you, you have so many tools in your tool belt and like, take that one out now and do this (laughs) and try it. And of course you're a great success. And then I think what, you know, what other tool do I have in my tool belt that I want to try? So that's why I'm like Mm -hmm. designing my clothes for drag race now, because you know, what are you going to wear? If you sit next to RuPaul, you don't swing. Right. But I, so I'm like, well, let me try that. I've always wanted to do something like that. Just that's why I'm doing this tour now, because, okay, no one shows up. Well, okay, I'll go home to my husband, and he'll think I'm funny.
0: And Yeah, that's beautiful. Mom, it's yeah. unconditional love. Um, I had never, you know, like, I, when did I first learn the concept of unconditional love? I feel like it was late in life where I heard those words together. Unconditional love. And it was described to me as, like, you know, the way you love your family or the way you love your mom, um, where anything could happen and you'd still love them. Yeah. And then I found unconditional love amongst friends in my chosen family. That's why we love our pets, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, my my love is unconditional for my cat. She couldn't give a shit about me and I love it <laughs> that way, um, <laughs> but with, like, you know, having met my husband and we've been through a lot of ups and downs. Our relationship has been long distance the entire time. You know, that puts a lot of strain on it. But we've also had a lot of really, really wonderful moments. And we've since we've been through the hard shit and we're still here together, we know, like, we can get through some hard shit and we're still going to be there. So, you know, like... Um, we haven't been through every experience, but we've been tested a bit and we're still really happy to be married. And that's what builds that feeling of unconditional love and that, um, fearlessness of like, okay, (laughs) like I can make a mistake and this person is is gonna be okay. That I'm not perfect, you know?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And they're going to hold you to a standard. Like I, yeah. I'm a but, much better man uh, because I want to live up to who he is. I feel yeah. very, like, um, I want to be the person that he deserves, if that makes sense, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I
0: love it. Yeah. I love
1: being married. I didn't know. I, I
0: love it, too. I, yeah, right? <laughs> Do I don't you, know. Like, can I ask you, because I also grew up not know, like, not thinking that I would ever be legally married. I wasn't too perturbed by it other than, I mean, like I didn't like, I didn't care that I might never get married other than I didn't like that someone was telling me I couldn't, you know? (laughs) But now that I am, I say my husband, this, my husband, that, like people who know Michael's name, (laughs) people who are good friends with Michael. I'm like, yeah, my husband was saying that, <laughs> and they're like, "You mean Michael? Michael, our housemate? You idiot!" <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it, it, it is. There is. Um, I say it a lot too
0: because
1: yeah. you know it's a word I never thought I'd be able to say. So you know what I love saying? I love saying it on uh, uh, on daytime TV. I love yeah. that I do it, and it, you know it's purposeful because um, because that we we didn't have that.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. God, we didn't have
1: people saying that on TV like that, and so and Drew, you know, I get to do that show every day with with. Speaking
0: with her. of saying it on daytime television, yeah. you're yeah. working with Drew Barrymore now. Whereas Chelsea Handler was the Bert to your Ernie it hmm. kind of feels like on Drew, it's just, uh, it, it's just two Ernie's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it does. Well, here's
0: the deal. You but know, I we, we can stand to have a double dose of positivity in our life right now, yeah. you know, honestly. <laughs>
1: I think that's why it's working because, yeah. you know, Drew and I, it's so organic how it happened. It's another thing like, Uh, well everything in my career is organic it's like leno happened like that drag race happened
0: patience and tenacity that's i always people always ask like what gets you ahead in this career and i'm like getting uh, to get ahead you have to be okay with not getting ahead for a long time (laughs) like you gotta have patience for the right things to come along because if you just go scrambling to do every little thing um, quality control. You're not you're not making sure the stuff that's getting out there is the stuff you actually want to be seen for. Anyway, patience, and tenacity. Go on. <laughs> well, patience,
1: tenacity, and say yes. You know that yeah. great Liza song. Say yes. You know, <laughs> show up. Do it for free first. Show them what you can do, and that's what happened. I popped in for a day on Drew, and mm-hmm. um, she had just launched the show in a pandemic. This is October 2020. She had just launched in September. No one in the audience you know, it was really tough for her. And I popped in for one day and it was like, I I had just lost my mom in in May of the, of the pandemic. And I was just so broken and so lost. And, and Drew was so scared and doing this alone. And I, we walked into that room and it really felt like I got, well, here I'm plugging again, but it felt (laughs) like I got you girl, you know, (laughs) she had me and, You know, I've been on shows where it felt like if I messed up, they would all point at me and be like, look, he messed up, you know? Mm. And so to be on a show with someone who, if I drop a thing, will just pick it up and hand it back to me and I'll do the same for her. And, you know, if it's so, it's the intention is so good on that show. She's so great. And she lets me do things like, you know, we announced our engagement. I asked Mm -hmm. my brother to be my best man on that show. And, you know, and- that is powerful that we're doing that on daytime yeah. television. It
0: really is. And Drew Barrymore just seems like one of those great people, if you're lucky to <laughs> meet her, you know, like just one of those like really fun people to have met, you know. <laughs> well, she's magical.
1: She true she there's something very spiritual about her. Very mm-hmm. truly like um my husband's Dominican and they say, um, a bruja is like a witch. Mm-hmm. If someone's super special, she's a bruja, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, Drew is a bruja. She's, um, she's, she's just, she means everything. She means well, you know, she on air, uh, on the first season, she said, uh, we had a story about flower girls and she's like, do you have a flower girl? And I'm like, why you want the gig? And she was like, Rossi, could I really? Would you <laughs> and I was like, wait, are you being serious? Are you yeah? yeah. And she did. She flew to Mexico <laughs> for one day and was our flower girl in our wedding. You know, we bought it, we just bought an apartment in New York City and she surprised me and redid the entire thing. You know, we walked in one day and it was done. And it and that's like, she just is like a big sister like that.
0: Yeah. Um she she seems really awesome. My favorite thing is that she has a sense of humor about herself because I saw that Instagram video of her finding the window and then I <laughs> saw, um, I can't remember who did the, the spoof of it. And I saw the spoof, though. It was a, a, an SNL actor, I think. Chloe Fineman. Yeah, and she's doing the spoof and I was, like, losing my mind. But then what I loved was seeing Drew watching the spoof, losing her mind over it. And I was like, I just am so happy that, I mean, I feel like Drew, uh, uh, one of those people who've, again, been there forever, you know, like she must have such a thick skin and to be such a positive person after having been a child actor, a sex icon, you know, like, like all the things thrown at women in the industry she's had it thrown at her and then here she is still here in the industry and she's like this bubbling fountain of life and joy like that to me says a lot about her because she's withstood a lot you know <laughs> to be a woman in the in the industry in the 90s and the early 2000s and especially to be like a young ingenue during those times you know like she's just I can't imagine what's happened to her in her career. And for her to still be so positive, just like that kind of gives me hope for <laughs> like humanity as a whole. Drew Barrymore exists, so I have hope.
1: <laughs> I love that. I mean, you're, you're very right. She has managed to have like thick skin, but also be very vulnerable. Yeah. and and sort of allow us to to grow up with with her. And this new stage with, the, with the, that she's in with this show, you know, she said something to me, she said, I never, I've never been myself on camera. You know, like, think about that. Mm-hmm. She's been on camera since she was eight months old, but she's never been herself on camera. And so this was like a scary thing to do for her. Um, and the fact that it's working, you know, and I'm seeing her up close, she, she works so hard and the audience has really found us it's it's amazing and she I just have to tell you she's even better in person you've got to come on the show jinx I would oh love to have-
0: like I'd say no
1: <laughs> absolutely you've got to come on <laughs> I want you two to get in the same room that would yeah. be beautiful
0: oh I'd love to um I'm so happy I'm so happy you're having such a good time um Ross, thank you so much for being here. Your tour, I got you, girl. Um yes. When is it going through? Where is it going through? And how can people get tickets?
1: So I'm going everywhere. Um, and I'm on tour all summer. And then just going to keep going, you know, during the the season. I'll do, you know, some weekends here and there. But if you yeah. go to helloross.com, there dates there. But this summer, really, I'm hitting every corner of the United States. I'm going to Canada. Um, so just check dates, helloross.com. Come have fun with me. Remember fun? We shut the door on <laughs> the outside world and we Remember
0: just... fun. Remember? <laughs> Remember,
1: James? it really it's been feeding my soul. I just did a show last night. I got a, three more shows this weekend. I it makes me um I don't know. It's the whole point. It's about yeah. creating and connecting, and that's exactly what I want to do with people. Oh,
0: I love it. Congrats on your tour. Congrats on your continued airtime. Ross, I have some compulsory questions that I ask every guest. You can answer them however you want. Are you ready for them? Hit me. First question, who is your celebrity crush today? Aladdin. (laughs) Second question, are you spiritual? Yes. Okay, final question, what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh,
1: God. I have so many. Um, Oh, you know what is good and gets people going and is an underrated song? What? Kokomo.
0: (laughs) I feel like I sing that song an inordinate amount of times in my life. I find myself singing that song a lot. Well, you
1: get there faster if you take it slow.
0: Yeah, but I only know the Muppets version. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I used to call KBRC uh, 1430 a.m. in Mount Vernon, (laughs) Washington, and request Kokomo like two,
0: three times a day. That it's so, I mean, I lived in Seattle for 12 years. I never visited Mount Vernon, but I heard it said a lot. So it's always so crazy when, do you know that like Cheyenne Jackson started his acting career in like in Seattle, in the Seattle area? And Megan Hilty.
1: I did not know that. Do you know who else is from Mount Vernon? Who? Glenn Beck. Glenn (laughs) Beck. And James Caviezel, who played Jesus in Passion of the Christ. (laughs) And Ross Matthews.
0: (laughs) And Ross Matthews, to complete the trifecta. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much for being my guest today. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Have a wonderful rest of your tour. And we'll be seeing you on our TV screens. i guess potentially two times a day forever forever
1: (laughs) i I don't want to have the last word necessarily but i just want to tell you how much i adore you and in a weird way i have no right to say this but i'm going to say i'm just so proud of you oh
0: thank you you. i'll take it you you have every right to say it
1: (laughs) i'm very proud of you happy for you and i will be front row whatever you do next
0: Oh, you got it. you always have a you always have a seat at my show, Ross. <laughs> I'll, I'll have you and Michelle and Carson sit in a row. So it's familiar to me. And then we'll judge you afterwards. <laughs> yeah, all right. yeah, yeah. Then I'll expect notes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Have a good day, Ross. And thank you all so much for listening to Hijinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram, at official Jinx Monsoon on TikTok, or Jinx Monsoon official. I should really figure that out. Um, Or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx. Oh. M. Mom! To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Silio.